Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. All right, let me call our attention one more time to the book of John chapter 17. The book of John chapter 17. And once again, we'll read verse number 6 down through verse number 19. And once again, we will be looking at verse number 6, 7, and 8. A lot of truth that is in this section of Scripture. John chapter number 17 is the Lord's Prayer. This is, this is not the Lord training His disciples how to pray. This is actually Christ praying to His Father just before the crucifixion. And a lot of truth, and we've already seen a great amount of truth in this passage of Scripture. Uh, dealt with a lot of truth in verse number 1 through verse number 5. And now we're in this second section of this prayer. So we'll begin reading in verse number 6 and we'll read down through verse number 19 and pray and get into the message this morning. The Bible says here in verse number 6, I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them, and they have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou get, hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine. And I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I am come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes 
I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Let's pray. Father, once again, we thank You for the opportunity that You've given us to corporately meet together. We thank You for the opportunity that You've given us to sing the songs of Zion, to be able to read the Scriptures, to be able to look into the book of Psalms, Lord, we thank You for all of these things. Lord, we thank You that, Lord, as we've looked at this study in John chapter number 17, we thank You for the truths that we find here. Lord, thank You for what we're about to look at this morning. Lord, we ask You that You would open our hearts, make them receptive to Your Word, And Lord, I pray that this morning you might magnify yourself. May you edify yourself. May you use your word to make yourself known unto us. And Lord, for this we'll give you the honor, the glory, and the praise that's due your name. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So far in this section, in this chapter, and we've mentioned before that Chapter number 17 basically is broken down into three different sections. We looked at in depth the first section, which was verse number 1 down through verse number 5. And now we're in this second section. And so far in this second section, we looked at basically an overview of what Christ was dealing with in verse number 6 through verse number 19, when we looked at the fact that Christ was praying and we looked at His reasons for praying and we looked at His requests that He made in His prayer. Then we looked at the fact that uh, we were not of this world, He was not of this world, And we looked at the very fact that he was praying for those that were not of this world. He was not praying for the world. He said that in this section of Scripture, that he was not praying for the world. He was praying for those whom the Father had given him, those that were his. And he was praying for them in this prayer. Then we looked at God's people. What makes a people God's people? Why are we God's people? And uh, we looked at that in verse number 6. We looked at the name of God in verse number 6 through 8 as we began uh, this study in, in these three verses. We looked at the name of God and the facts about the name of God. And then we looked at how the name of God was revealed in this prayer in verse number 6 through 8. And now today what we want to look at is the Christian and the truth of God. The Christian and the truth of God. What makes someone a Christian? What what is it in them that makes them different than the world? And there are four things This is not the only four things that makes a Christian a Christian. But there are four things I want us to look at in this passage of Scripture that I think we can 
draw from this passage of Scripture that will enable us to see those things that make a Christian a Christian or those manifestations of things that allow someone to be called a Christian, if you will. In fact, if you think about the name Christian, the name Christian was first given to those that walked after Christ, those that were believers of Christ. Uh, That word Christian, when it was first placed on people, was not a... It was not a a badge of honor, if you will. Because it was saying those were people that were walking after Christ. Those were people that were acting like Christ. When the world was wanting to be rid of Christ. When the world was wanting to get rid of Christ. And when there was great persecution upon the church. But now we think about the word Christian and we think about that That name Christian, uh, sometimes in fact, uh, just the other day I was sitting there with my dad when when a nurse with a a particular group that's now taking over part of the care for my dad, when she was sitting there she said, how do you want to be affiliated? And my dad kind of scratched his head, what are you talking about? but she began to go on and talk about how, how do you want to be noted? Do you want to be this or do you want to be that? And of course, my dad said he wanted to be independent Baptist. But, uh, but anyway, uh, what she was talking about and what she was alluding to is what the world looks at and says, are you Christian or not Christian? Are you this or are you that? I think sometimes if we're not careful, the world has a misconception of the word Christian. I think the world in general has a misconception of the word Christian. I think sometimes if we're not careful, even those who claim to be Christian have a misconception of what Christian is. So in light of that, I want to cover these verses of Scripture that we find in the Lord's Prayer. And as He prays this, remember, He is praying for those that are His own. And those that are His own would be classified, as far as you and I are concerned, would be classified Christian, followers of Christ. Those that believe in the truths that we find in the Word of God. So I want us to think about these things in light of the Christian and the Christian in relation to the truth of God. What what is our relationship to the truth of God? We, We know that the Word of God is true. At least I hope that we have an idea in our hearts and minds that the Word of God is, this is a different book. This is not like picking up a Harlequin romance. This is not like picking up some book off of the shelf in the library. I'm not saying those are bad books. I'm just saying this is a different book. This is, there's something different when it comes to the Bible. In fact, even no matter who you are, no matter what your thoughts may be, 
You have to agree that the Bible, there's something different about the Bible. There's something different about what people consider to be the Word of God. Why? Because these are truths that are given to us by God Himself. God, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, God in sundry times, in diverse places, in diverse manners, gave us the Scripture through holy men of old. What he was talking about, he's talking about the prophets of the Old Testament. He's talking about the apostles of the New Testament. He's talking about those who he used to pin down the truths that we find in the Word of God. He's talking about Moses in the first five books of the Bible as he tells the story of Israel. He's talking about David as he writes down uh, those things that we find in the book of Psalms. He's talking about Solomon as he he's uh, looking at the Proverbs and, and different books. He's talking about Isaiah as we have the book of Isaiah. He's talking about those that were the writers of the books that gave us the Word of God. And we look back at this Word and we find the truths in the Word of God. So what is it in a Christian's life in relationship to the Word of God that makes them be seen by others as being a Christian. In verse number 8, there's a statement that Christ makes. In verse number 8, He says this, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I had come out from thee, And they have believed that thou didst send me. The first thing that I I want us to consider this morning is that a Christian in relationship to the Word of God, a person who classifies themselves to be a Christian in relationship to the truths of God, has a clear understanding about the person of Christ. A person, they are, they are clear about the person of Christ. A person who claims to be born again, a person who claims to have experienced the grace of God, who claims to know the Lord Jesus Christ, has a clear understanding of who Christ is. It is not... I, I worked with a guy not too long ago, and I know that I mentioned this in time past, but this gentleman in his lineage, his mother was a full-blooded Jew. His father, I don't remember exactly what his lineage was, so this gentleman is half Jew, half Israelite, if you will. And in light of that, he and I had a discussion. And our discussion was led up to the point of coming to the idea of what he thought about Christ. What was his thinking about Christ? And in his own words, he told me that Christ was a good teacher. He was a good person. A good role model. But he was not the Messiah. 
that tells me that this gentleman does not understand the truths that we find in the New Testament. For Jesus Christ Himself claimed to be God. Jesus Christ Himself said who He was. He alluded to even in the Scripture that we read this morning that He and His Father are one. That He is God. And in light of that, that tells me that this gentleman does not know the Lord Jesus Christ does not know Him as His own Savior, does not know Him in the free pardon of sin, does not know Him in the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ, does not know Him in the reconciliation of God. He does not know Him because as a child of God, as someone who knows God, will have a clear understanding of who Christ is. In light of that, who is Christ? Christ is our mediator. Christ is our reconciliation. Man, Adam, the first man, when he was in the garden, was given a command to take care of the garden. He was given a command to watch over those things that God had placed him before, but he was given one command not to do. And that was to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He had one thing he was not to do. And that is the one thing that he chose to do. Is he partook of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Was it an apple? Was it an orange? It does not matter. What matters is he disobeyed God. And in his disobedience, all of mankind, because he was the father of all of man, all of man fell with him into sin. They did no longer have that relationship with God where they could have that that time with God. Adam had communion with God. The Bible tells us he came down in the cool of the day. He had communion with Adam. He had Adam do different things. And then Adam fell. And when he came down the next day, the next evening, to have communion with Adam, Adam hid himself. Why did he hide himself? Because he realized he was naked. There was no covering. He is his sin had come to the surface. And he saw himself for what he was. And when he sinned, he took all of mankind with him because we were in Adam. We were born in Adam. Why? Because he is the father of all living. He was the first. But there is a second Adam and his name is Jesus. And he came to reconcile man back to the position that he was in the Garden of Eden. That's who Christ is. He is our mediator. He's the one that goes between us and God. He is our reconciliation. He is the one that brings us from that point of being away from God and brings us 
back to God. He is the one that took the wrath of God so that we would not have to take the wrath of God. That's who Jesus Christ is. He's the one that suffered on the cross where we should have suffered. You see, God is holy. God is righteous. That's who he is. That's not what he does. That's not what he acts. That's who God is. That's the very essence of God. And in the very essence of God, him being holy demanded a payment for the sin of man. And in his payment for the sin of man, he, God, devised a plan. And that plan was that his son, Jesus Christ, would die in our place. And while he was on the cross of Calvary, he took upon him the wrath of God. That's who Christ is. And a person who a person who is someone who has been reconciled to God, a person who has received the grace of God, a person who has received the forgiveness of God, understands that Christ is the reason for his or her forgiveness. A person who has experienced the grace of God, who has known the grace of God, understands that it is not in themselves, it is in Christ and Christ alone in which their redemption lies. There is no other avenue of redemption. There is no other way. There is not being good enough. We couldn't be good enough. If there was the ability for anyone to be good enough, then in the length of time that there has been since the beginning until now, there would have been someone, somewhere, somehow, that was good enough and they made it. But there would be a great, great, vast multitude who didn't make it. Why? Because I didn't do everything I should this week. I didn't, I didn't act or react the way I should this week. I told Brother Charles I, I had an instance where I was supposed to have met with someone and that someone didn't do what they said they were supposed to do and, and they actually... kind of turned an evil the way I look at things. So I wanted to return evil for evil. But the book of Romans, as we saw last Sunday night or the Sunday night before, tells us we shouldn't do that. But I wanted to. So even in my desire to want to, I was not what I should have been. So I have fallen short. So I must rest in what Christ has done, not what I can do because I can't do it. I can't accomplish it. So for a Christian to to show who they are in relation to the truth of God, that Christian understands that Christ is the only avenue. They understand that Christ is the means 
of reconciliation. Christ is the means of forgiveness. Christ is the means and Christ alone is the means of our salvation. He says that in verse number 8 when he makes that statement. They have known surely that I came out from thee. They knew that He had come from God. They knew who He was. That He had manifest God before them and they understood that before them was the Son of God. He had told them previously, just a few chapters earlier, He said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. They understood who Christ was. So a Christian this morning in relationship to the truths that we find in the Word of God understands who Christ is. Not only do they understand who Christ is, but a a Christian, a person who classifies themselves to be a Christian, not only do they have a clear understanding of who Christ is, they also believe that Christ was sent and commissioned by God. They believe that He was sent and commissioned by God. Look at verse number 8 again. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest unto me, and they have received them, and they have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. He made the statement here, they have believed that thou didst send me. Their belief was that he was sent from God. And a person who has experienced the grace of God, a person who has trusted in the grace of God, a person who has realized the reconciliation of God, understands that Christ is sent and commissioned by God. Understand that Christ came because in eons past, God made a plan. Before the world was, God had a plan for fallen man. God had a plan that man would be reconciled. That man would be redeemed. All of this and all that Christ did. In fact, if you go back up and you were to read uh, there in verse number 4, the first section of His prayer. In verse number 4, He said, I have glorified Thee on earth. I have finished the work that Thou gavest Me to do. Christ came for a purpose. When He was born in a manger, He was born in a manger for a reason. He lived, He breathed, He died, He arose again for a purpose. That was the redemption of mankind. That was the reconciliation of God's people. God was, Christ was sent and commissioned to do everything that He did by His Father. He came for a purpose. Christ did not come here to waste time. It's not not just another story. It's not just another thing that was written down by someone. It It is a purpose and a reason that was commissioned by God Himself. 
The Bible tells us, for God so loved the world. That, what did he do? He gave his only begotten son. Why? That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There was a commission. God gave him a job to do. He did the job. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Why? Because he did what the Father sent him to do. Christ was sent and commissioned by the Father. So as a Christian to determine, is this person really Christian? Do they really know Christ? If they do, they will believe that Christ was sent and commissioned by God for a purpose, for a reason, to do a job. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a good person. He came for a purpose. He came for a reason. He came to do what His Father sent Him to do, and that was to reconcile man unto Himself. In verse number 7, we find out that not only does a Christian have a clear understanding about the person of Christ, not only does a Christian believe that Christ was sent and commissioned by, the, by God, but they know something about the plan of salvation. They know something about the plan of salvation. Why? Because they have experienced that salvation. Look at what he says in verse number 7. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. Thou hast known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. A Christian, a person who claims to be a follower of Christ, understands something about salvation. And I was careful when I said this to say that they understand something about salvation. You and I will never in this world, because of our finite minds, we will never have a, a full grasp of everything that went into salvation. But for our salvation, we understand this. That Christ is our Redeemer. We understand that Christ is the one that paid the price on the cross of Calvary. We understand as the Bible tells us, without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. There's no forgiveness of sin. There's no washing that sin away without the shedding of blood. Who shed that blood? The Lord Jesus Christ shed that blood. But I needed that shed blood to be shed for me on my behalf so I could be saved. We must understand. If we claim to be a Christian and we have no understanding of salvation, we have no understanding of how salvation took place, we have no understanding of salvation in and how it was brought about, then we can't claim to be a Christian. Why? Because we don't even understand the plan of salvation. We don't understand what God is saying about salvation. What is that that God said about salvation? God said man sinned. 
God said God is holy. God cannot look upon sin. God is angry at sin. And because of God's anger and wrath and righteousness towards sin, there needed to be someone to pay for that sin for us, for we could not undergo the wrath of God. Those that live and die without God will suffer throughout eternity under the wrath of God. Why will they suffer throughout eternity under the wrath of God? Because they will never be able to quench the wrath of God towards sin. Only one person could do that, and that was Christ. There's no one else that could do that. Because there is no one else that was perfect in every way to be able to satisfy the wrath of God. The wrath of God was not just because God is some... And, and please, please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. But not because God's just some old man sitting up in heaven getting mad at everything. The very righteousness of God, the very essence of His holiness demanded His anger towards sin. Who He is. If He was not angry at sin, He would no longer be God. But God so loved us that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, understanding Himself, understood that He needed Himself to quench His own wrath. And He made a plan. And that was that Christ die for our Sins. Not only that he die for our sins, but that he was buried on behalf of our sins, and that he resurrected on the third day, according to the scriptures. He arose the third day victorious over sin, so that you and I could have salvation. So a child of God has some understanding of what it took in order for them to be saved. A child of God, a Christian understands something about salvation. You and I will never have the full grasp of salvation. Why? Because we're not God. And we never will be God. We will never fully, completely, totally understand all of salvation. But we have some understanding of salvation. Why? Why do I have an understanding of salvation? Because I'm born again. I don't have an understanding. I do not have an understanding of salvation because I spent four years in Bible college. That's not where I got an understanding of salvation. Where I got an understanding of salvation was a seven-year-old boy at an altar at Oak Ridge Baptist Church on Gold Hill Drive in Salisbury, North Carolina. 
That's where I got an understanding of salvation. I got an understanding that I was a sinner, that I needed the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not that the world's a sinner. It was not that the world needs Christ. It was I, as a seven-year-old boy, am a sinner, and I needed God to save me. It is God who gives us that understanding of salvation. Lastly, in verse number 6, I want us to see that their eyes and minds are stayed on the Word of God. A Christian's eyes and minds are stayed on the Word of God. Now let me be careful to say here, our eyes and minds are stayed on the Word of God. Does that mean we're always going to obey it? No. I said that this morning in saying what I said. Have you sinned against God this week? Yes. I answered these questions just as everyone. Have you gone astray from the Word of God? Yes. Have you done that which was wrong in the sight of God? Yes. Is God willing to forgive you again? Yes. Did Jesus pay the penalty for your sin in full? Yes. Do you now trust in the finished work of Christ, which is your righteousness? Yes. Why? Because my mind and my heart is stayed on the Word of God. Our eyes and minds are stayed on the Word of God. Do I fail God? Every day of my life I fail God. But I am reminded at my failure. I am reminded at my wrong. I am reminded of His right. Every time I fail, I am reminded He did not fail. Every time I disobey, I am reminded that He obeyed. I'm reminded that He completed for me salvation that I could not complete for myself. Therefore, my my mind and my eyes are stayed on the truths of the Word of God. It does not mean that I am always obedient to the Word. It just means that I know the truths of the Word and am willing to accept the truths of that Word. Are they difficult to understand sometimes? Yes. Is it hard to comprehend sometimes? Yes. But at the end of the day, I believe the truths that I find in the Word of God. How can I do that? Because I have experienced the grace of God. I don't do that because I'm something different than everybody else. I do that and I, 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 I hold and cling to the truths that I find in the Word of God because when I was born again, the Holy Spirit of God moved inside of me. And the Holy Spirit of God says, Amen, that's right. The Holy Spirit of God says that's true. I, it, 
It, it is not because mom and dad said it's true. It's not because grandma and grandpa said it's true. It's not because someone else said it's not true. I know that it's true because when I read it, there's something inside of me that says amen. And that is the Holy Spirit of God living in me. It is that gift that God has given us. What did Jesus Christ tell them before he left? He said, I, have, I, I must go away, but I will send another comforter. And that comforter is the Holy Spirit of God. How do I know that I did wrong? The Holy Spirit of God in Scripture tells me I've done wrong. If, if it were not for that, sometimes I would look at things and say, I, that ain't wrong. But when I see in, in Scripture that it's wrong, and yet I did it anyway, then I still have to go back and trust in what Christ has done. Yes. I'm not trusting in what I've done. Yeah. I, let me be plain about a statement I made a while ago. I'm not even trusting in what I did as a seven-year-old boy at Oak Ridge Baptist Church on Gold Hill Drive in Salisbury, North Carolina. I'm not trusting in that. I'm not trusting in that action. I'm not trusting in the prayer that I prayed. I'm trusting in the Christ who made that possible. I'm trusting in His finished work. My salvation does not depend on what I prayed. My salvation does not depend on what I do or do not do. My salvation, my reconciliation to God exists because of what Christ did yes. and only on what Christ did. Yes. There again, I will fail. But he will not. I will fall short. But he will not. There is not a time. That Christ ever sinned. Nor will there ever be a time. That Christ will ever sin. And it is in his righteousness. And his righteousness alone. That I find rest. If I find rest in that, it sure takes a lot of the labor and work off of me. He's already done it. He's already... Before I was ever saved, He completed my salvation. Before I ever received, He made it possible. My receiving it didn't even... That, that, that action's not what made it possible. What made it possible is what He did. What He accomplished. Therefore, I believe the truths of the Word of God. A Christian in connection to the truths of the Word of God 
They have a clear understanding about who Christ is. They believe that Christ was sent and commissioned by God. They know something about the plan of salvation. And their eyes and minds are stayed on the truths of the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity you've given us to be here. The opportunity to be together and to fellowship and worship together. To see these truths in your Word. To understand these truths. Lord, I pray that you would make them plain in our lives. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would do this morning what you would have to be done and speak to every heart. Lord, speak to us corporately, but Lord, then I pray that you'd speak to every heart individually. Lord, take your word and do with your word what only you can do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.